gentlemen welcome to another daily grindhouse presents no budget nightmares this is mo he's a bad film hating while i skating all the while masturbating that's, that's mo porn yeah. yeah and with me as always is the one and the only doug tilly he's bow, doug bow, tilly bow, 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 number bow, one bow, super bow, guy Mo, i can't help but notice that you're sounding a little under the weather this week on the no budget nightmares podcast yeah it's 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 not <laughs> quite as sexy as last Too- time no, no, it's just miserable and phlegmy this time. Miserable and phlegmy. Well, I mean, I will say that it's almost... Different kind of cold. That's true. It's almost semi-appropriate for this sort of material <laughs> that we're going to be covering on this episode. But before we get to that, uh, I want to talk about you, Mo. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, no, nothing in particular. I know that you've been working on some projects lately. I thought it might be a good opportunity for you to tell people about them. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, we mentioned it in the last show, but I'm working on a kind of non-stop and it's been taking up a ton of my time and probably half the reason why I'm sick, but uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) all those handshakes, you know. Yeah, handshakes. (laughs) 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 Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm working on a promotional DVD for for a, a compilation album that I was involved in and, uh... You know, and I, I've got, like, there's 13 bands. I have everything, you know, I have three of the band segments already done. I have three more that are kind of all, all the materials in the can already, and I just have to edit it. Uh, and then, so then I'm just kind of waiting on everybody else at this point. But it's coming along really nicely. Everybody who I've shown any of the of the material to has, has enjoyed it, with the exception of you. What do you mean? <laughs> I love the material that you've shown me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, I'm a, I'm a big Mo porn supporter, as you well know. No, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you've been you you have you actually have been. Uh, and I was very... shocked actually when you sent over the footage initially and and I don't want to tell everyone what it, it's about, but um I, I it was so good. Uh I and I, this wasn't isn't meant to be a criticism of you Mo. I was shocked at how good it was. I mean, I, I to me it's like this looks like a movie. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, you know, because most people forget that, you know, that there is actually editing in my past. So um, I haven't done any in a really long time. So and this is the first time I've done anything on Final Cut. So it's uh, it's it's been sort of a learning experience. But I think I've I think I've I've done a, a pretty, pretty good job with what I you know, with what I have. I thought it was adorable how you said that you mentioned on the last podcast, like like everyone is going to listen to every podcast and we shouldn't repeat the things that we said on the previous <laughs> one. In fact, Mo, I, I am going to expect and I am getting excited right now. You can hear it in my voice. I can hear it in your pants. Yes, there is there is excitement happening in my pants, in my voice, in my eyes oh, that you can't nuts. see in my nuts. Uh, because I do think that we're going to get a few more listeners this time around because we're covering a cult Canadian classic this week on No Budget Nightmares. Yeah. And not just a cult Canadian classic. It might be... Oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) 
this this is one of those I mean I'm so excited to be talking about this We're going to be talking about 1991's Technically (laughs) Science Crazed Oh Science Crazed And this is a film that I had heard about But uh, was only brought to my attention Semi-recently And it is a movie that is Due for a re-emergence To To Gain the sort of cult reputation that other exploitation films of this time period have have belatedly gotten in the last few years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we and you know we've we've discussed things in the past. Things. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the movie things <laughs> in the past, which is another great exploitation. Um, and you know, and I think I think Science Crazed deserves just as much. You know, to have a, to have a re-release to to. to Shine again in the spotlight, even for another couple of minutes. It's 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 a pretty it's a pretty ridiculous movie, and I th- I think a lot of genre fans would would have a good time with it, even even if it was just in the process of torturing themselves. <laughs> now you mentioned torturing yourself, Mo, <laughs> uh, and the reason you mentioned that I'm guessing is because uh, one of the defining qualities of the film Science Crazed is that it is extremely poorly made. <laughs> Tedious. No, yes. Actually, I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> argue with you there. Then I realized, no, wait, it is. It's very tedious. It very. Tedious. Uh, it's it's very amateurish, uh, and really, and and let's just face it here. We cover a lot of films that would be by any definition called bad on this show, but this film is in a different category, uh, such a different category. It's 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 not that it's hard to talk about, but it's hard to describe it in a way. That would differentiate it from something that's really unpleasant. Now, when I talk about yeah. unpleasant, I mean I'm talking about hip hop locos, hip hop locos, or yeah. uh, barely legal lesbian vampires, or something like yeah, that. We're... This isn't like that. However, it's worse than almost any film that we've watched on this show. Yeah, it's it's this weird sort of like it leaves you with this weird sort of ambivalence because it's like you know, like as you're watching it, it's so painful to get through. But once you're done with it, you kind of loved it. it. It really, it's endearing in a very strange kind of way. You know what? It yeah, kind of yeah. reminded me of Redneck County Fever in the way sure. that all you're left with at the end are questions. It's like, I just want to <laughs> know the answers to, like, why does this exist? How did it come out in this form? I mean, and, and when we start talking about it in detail, you'll, you know, you'll go over these, these lengthy scenes, which are just awe-inspiringly strange. And you just can't make heads or tails of why someone would think that someone would want to watch it. Yeah. And another thing is, I mean, this film was originally made in 1987. There's actually a few uh, things that you can see in the film itself which which demonstrate that it was made then, but wasn't mm. released on video until 1991. So that adds more questions, right? It's like a mystery. Why did it take so long to get released? Uh, the- well, maybe maybe, uh, maybe George Romero and uh, I'm trying to think who the other guy was. Uh, I can't remember who the other guy was, but maybe maybe they were having a bidding war on it. Yeah, and sure. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, maybe they're... Oh, that's right. <laughs> <A bidding. laughs> that, that does happen, I've heard sometimes. Um, oh, the summer of the massacre. The summer of the ma- yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, again, that's a film that I don't want to ever revisit. But science crazed, I not only could see myself seeing it again, I could see myself like being like an acolyte for it and actually trying. Oh, absolutely. And now, now it was it was sorry. I'm I'm going to interrupt you, Mo, because fuck you. 
Science Craze was directed by a gentleman named Ron. I'm going to say Schweitzer. Do you think that's right? Uh, probably. Switzer or Schweitzer? I'm going to go with Schweitzer because it sounds like a name. Uh, and I don't know what Ron Schweitzer is doing now. I don't know if he's still alive. If he is, we need to find him. We need to find him and find out what's up with him because we need answers. And Yeah, because this is the only movie he's ever done. That's right. At least the only movie, the only movie that he has uh, an IMDb. That's exactly for. right. Uh, and and yeah. we know that... Uh, Barry Gillis, who who worked on things and starred in things, uh, that he used to know Ron in some capacity. We we mm. need to just to, we need to get our boots on, and this is a good time of year to be wearing boots, and do some research. <laughs> and I mean, this guy, this was filmed in Toronto. I'm going to Toronto tomorrow. Maybe I can find him. Maybe I can you know walk the streets. Is that what they call that? Walk the streets, probably. That actually sounds worse it, than what I meant. Yeah, I was gonna say if, like, I mean, if you're if you're a hooker, sure. Mm. Well, they don't call them hookers when they're a beefy gentlemen like myself. I don't think. But no, they they call them tricks. Ooh, I wouldn't mind. It's <laughs> a good way to stay warm. Anyway, they call you trade. I think is what they actually would call it. We're gonna find out what's going on here. We need to bring the world more knowledge about science craze. In fact, I have a little update later on uh, about Reanimator Academy, which is kind of exciting. Ooh. Remember last episode yeah, where exciting. I said that the, the trail had run cold? It ignited once again, Mo. Sweet. We are, we are, are journalists. I'm not. No. <laughs> Me, I'm a, I'm a movie fan who likes to suffer, so... Not suffer. There's possibility of quality, and, and there's a possibility of reemergence of quality, and we can be part of that. And I think that's something really special that we should try to. No, and, and I agree with you 100. percent But that doesn't mean I don't still enjoy suffering. Oh, we we don't suffer fools <laughs> gladly, and we don't suffer films gladly. Mo. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, actually. It's close. <laughs> but right now, people are listening, and they're like, "What the fuck are they talking about? What's this movie? What makes it so special?" Well, we yeah. are going to try to explain to you why it's so special as we walk through the plot of 1991's, actually 1987's, Science Craze. <laughs> oh, yeah. How does it begin, Mo? Uh, <laughs> it, well, I mean, it starts off with a uh, with an exterior shot of a building. Oh, this is you're getting really detailed. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the two-second shot. I mean, like, they have this... And they keep using that shot over and over and over again, much like many other shots in the mm-hmm. film. Um, and then it cuts to this old man who's blue for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was blue in your copy, too, right? He, he was... It's not just this, me. This was a blue man. Yeah, he was definitely blue. Uh, and he slams down his telephone, which makes, which makes no noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts talking to a man named Dr. Frank about his uh, 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 about the the experiments that he's making and how they're they're no good <laughs> and, that he, and that the board the board wants him to wants wants him to uh, tender his resignation. Now, there's a few things that we notice in this opening scene immediately. A, uh, everyone is dubbed. Everyone who speaks. Every- not, no, no, everything is dubbed. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, but I mean, yeah. you might be, you know used to a lot of sound effects being dubbed, but everybody is dubbed when they're speaking in this film. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we're fans of exploitation movies, so we're very used to dubbing. But the dubbing in this film is very particular. It's, yeah. It's fucking awful. It's really bad. It, it's it's incredibly bad. And everyone talks um, really slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I understand we're Canadian. I'm Canadian. And Canadians who aren't me talk really slowly uh, because they have to be understood. That's part of us being polite. 
<laughs> but this isn't politeness. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. See, I've already switched over. <laughs> I, you sounded more more American every day. I could pass for one of you. <laughs> so this is uh, yeah. The dubbing is awful. The <laughs> that's right. Time to crack it open. Huh? <laughs> sure is. <laughs> uh, and the, the film quality. I think it looks like it was shot on like sixteen millimeter. It doesn't it doesn't appear to be shot on video. Um, the, the video quality on the one I was watching is kind of iffy. Anyway. No, no, it, I, it definitely seems like it was shot on some kind of film stock because, I mean, that that would actually give more credence to the reasoning why the whole entire thing is dubbed. Right, absolutely. You know, because they probably filmed it without any, well, you know, Mott sound. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that, that it was filmed with sound just incredibly incompetently. <laughs> <laughs> One can dream. So uh, we have these two characters. One of them is this authority figure, and we have Dr. Frank. And at this point in the film, we probably have the sense that we know uh, the basic gist of what the plot's going to be. You've got this Dr. Frank, sort of a mad scientist type, has uh, a very distinct voice. Um, <laughs> in fact, let's, uh, let's hear some of his voice for a moment. Stupid fools. <laughs> My work will change the course. Of science. <laughs> What's up with this hold movie, Mo? Hold on, I want to play that again. <laughs> Stupid fools. <laughs> Alright, that's good enough. <laughs> Stupid fools. You know, he sounds like a subdued Ren Ho. And that's how that guy talks for yeah. the entire movie. Well, well <laughs> that's right, for the entire of his part of the movie. His part of the film. <laughs> So uh, the next section of the film is actually a little bit confusing if you hadn't read a plot summary, but thankfully I had. (laughs) (laughs) We learn that the experiments that Frank is involved in, for some reason, is that he has sort of a a serum, like a growth serum. He's working on a growth hormone. Yes, like that. And he can take, (laughs) say, a woman, probably, in fact, a woman would be ideal, uh, who has no reproductive capability, and he can inject her with a serum, and within 21 hours, she will have uh, a healthy baby boy. Yeah, he said within three hours, she'll be pregnant. Within 21 hours, she'll have given birth. In fact, she goes, I hope so. (laughs) Again, really (laughs) badly dubbed. And he says, I guarantee it. That's how he talks. Yeah, and every I mean, and there's like a ridiculous amount of time between lines. Yes. It's great. It, it, it's, it's astounding uh, because, I mean, uh, you would think that the original performance when the person is talking, that he's talking at a normal pace and it's just kind of a pain in the ass for the person to dub him. But that's impossible because though the lips aren't close... They're close enough to know that you know the, the sentences are beginning and ending at the same time. So the fact yeah. that he has to talk so slowly, I mean, I can't. Who, it must have been impossible to try to piece yeah, like, this movie together. Well, like the director is probably uh, you know uh, Schweitzer, Schweitzer was uh, was probably like, all right, I need you to talk really slow. Slower, you fool. The, slow it down because we've got some overdubbing to do. <laughs> so. Uh, what happens next is the first sign that Schweitzer, or Switzer, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really have a firm grasp on the idea of pacing. I think that would be fair to say. Yeah. He has some pacing or editing issues, because we see this woman, after she's been injected, she's sort of like tied to a chair, and she starts kind of moaning, 
right? She goes, oh. with a, with a, with a really ridiculous like echo effect. Yeah, she kind of sounds like really a bird weird. a little bit. She sounds like a bird woman. <laughs> I didn't really understand, and I know he just explained it, but when I was watching it, I didn't really understand what the fuck was going on in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> but what's happening is that she's getting pregnant and is preparing to have a child. Although they never show any of no, that. No, but we can... They just show her They show her moaning in the chair, and then the next thing you know, there's a bloody towel on the ground. <laughs> the next day, <laughs> there is indeed a bloody towel on the ground, and that woman's... Uh, that un- you should really just say the next cut, because yeah, who... Cause, time and space yeah. have no meaning within science yeah. craze. <laughs> and we see uh, t- a man and a woman who are, uh, we find out later, I guess, are like Dr. Frank's assistants. Uh, they come in, and they see what's going on, the thing wrapped in the cloth, and uh, and they, they're, like, upset a little bit. We don't really get a sense of who these people are and at any point. <laughs> mm. uh, we, uh, we just know that they're a little bit more, I guess, compassionate than Dr. Frank's sort of uh, detached science-ness. To be honest with you, the only thing I understood about them the entire film is that their names are Terry and Joan. Yeah, Terry and Joan. And and uh, I don't want to jump ahead to the last frame of the film, but I'm just going to for a moment. I didn't realize the whole time that Terry had an earring. He's such a cool guy. I didn't realize it. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I thought, I thought that maybe. I, well, I guess they just Dr. shot him from this. They probably shot him from the same side the, the whole time. <laughs> Some of the scenes are a little dark, as you may know. <laughs> Well, they're they're oddly lit. Yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of what they call in the industry hard lighting. <laughs> in the, uh, uh, in, in, I mean, there's no. It's just all like it's like one spot lamp, and it's it's truly a spot lamp because it's a big yeah. circle, right? You expect Batman to show up in it or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But Doctor mm-hmm. Frank walks onto the scene, and. Um, I guess he did not expect the woman to die <laughs> in the process of this, but he does give some instructions to uh, to the the two underlings. Wrap the head in gauze <laughs> and don't breathe a word about this to anyone. Agreed. Let it go. <laughs> sure, Doc. Sure. <laughs> I I I I made sure to add uh, Terry's response because it's pretty uh, typical of how long it takes anybody to say anything in this film. But I mean, even at this point, we have no real preparation for the sort of belabored pacing that is about to come. I oh yeah, we're we're only like four or five minutes into the film at this point. I mean, we're not even that far. But in. we'll be able to skip huge swathes of the film, gigantic chunks. <laughs> I loved Mo. You you were talking about how you took a little break uh, on Twitter earlier today at like the thirteen minute mark, and all I could think in my head was he has no idea what's coming. <laughs> just like in just a minute, he's going to start seeing what this film can reveal to him. Yeah. At this point, like I said, I thought I had a grasp of what it was all about, right? You know, mad scientist, a pregnant, evil baby, or something like that. And yeah. they even do the thing which we've seen in so many no-budget movies, where they start showing like posters of other much better movies. Yeah, well, I even made a note on that. I'm like, why is it that every film like this has to have a panning shot of all of the cool posters that the filmmaker owns, you know? Or somebody in the film owns. It's just... I mean, I, I, I didn't take notes on what there was, but there was, like, Evil Dead and, like, um, 
I think like one of the slumber party massacres or something like I that. I took a note of all the films, Mo. Oh, well, of, co- of course you did. The, uh, there was, uh, <laughs> I believe it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, uh, 2. And then there was Dress to Kill, uh, Brian De Palma. Yeah. Creepshow 2, mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2, and I believe Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street, the original poster, was on there as well. Uh-huh. Uh, and and <laughs> I guess this is either Joan or Terry's apartment. <laughs> I'd like to hope it's Terry's. They're worried about Dr. Frank and perhaps Dr. Frank's mental state, and they decide that what they're going to do is call him in quotation marks. Who's him? Uh, uh, oh, uh, McCoy. McCoy. Now, who is McCoy? Uh, well, he's the cop. He's a cop. But they, they, so they, so they make the phone call. Mm-hmm. And they. Oh wait, hold on. I I did. I, I wanted to. I wanted to take note of uh, the breathing. You know, because because we get a shot of something, someone, you know, like lying strapped to like a bed or something, and they're just breathing. We get five straight minutes of this. Still. With oh me? yeah, I was waiting for you to play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I figured, I figured, and this and this sort of breathing kind of like noise kind of follows us through the entire. Film. I mean, so literally, I there's probably a good, I would say, half hour, at least twenty minutes of you could just cut it out, and it's just this sound over just and over. Just breathing, yeah. Yeah. No, that's not Mo. So just- that's the creature. That's the creature. So most of the shots for the rest of this film will just have that as background noise. Yeah, and, and in various de- in varying degrees, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's a little more monstery, sometimes it's just breathing, but uh, it's but it's just constant. It's constant, and it's painful. You know, like almost almost as painful as the second half of Birdemic with the bird sure. squawking noises the whole time. It starts to be um, almost almost like this. I mean, it really does make you feel something very strange, like like you're not watching a movie as much as it is some sort of like scientific experiment on you, because it's just yeah, constant, exactly. and it's so overwhelmingly repetitive. I mean, it is comparable to the suburban Sasquatch noise as well, uh, just because of how often you hear it. <laughs> but that's way more enjoyable. Yes, it is. It's important to note, uh, just for later, that, that the creature, by the way, which has now grown immediately into a full-grown man, is, uh, is known as the Fiend. The Fiend. It's a fiend. So I'm going to take over what, uh, what actually happened right now in talking to McCoy. because No, I want to talk no, about I'm this. No, I'm talking about so, it. No, I want to talk about it. It's hilarious. All right. I'll let you talk about it, and then I'll put some footnotes in. <laughs> yes. So we get this sort of like, you know, we get this exterior shot of, uh, of a video store called the Video Pit. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a couple of people inside, you know, they're looking at, bo- at VHS boxes and... And there's a sort of a ridiculous gentleman behind the counter, and uh, and 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 Terry and uh, Joan decide they're going to call, as we said, him. They pick up the phone and dial. Now you hear them pick up the phone. You hear them dial, and then the the guy behind the counter just picks the phone. <laughs> yeah, up. there's no ringing. <laughs> yeah, there's no ringing, no ringing whatsoever. And he goes, "Oh, you know, is 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 McCoy? Yeah, McCoy." And he and he calls the guy over. Um, now. Why these guys knew that the, that there was a cop at the video store is beyond me. He's not just a cop. 
He's a particularly yeah. terrible cop. He is pretty bad. A, he doesn't look like a police officer. B, well, he's got a badge. He's got a badge. That's right, and a gun and a fedora. Uh, he has the most ridiculous voice in the world. <laughs> it's pretty pretty bad. And he is a total asshole constantly. Yeah, and, and then at the he expects them all uh, to take like part in the investigation too. Yeah. <laughs> you okay over there, Mo? I lost my spot in my notes. <laughs> it's all right. I'll tell you what's happening. They report this murder, and uh, that they the victim. Uh, oh wait, we oh, didn't yeah, even talk about right. the murder, did we? Oh no, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, we skipped right over it because there's just so much worth skipping over. Yeah. So the fiend at some point previous to this, the fiend. Got up. Kill get, gets free, and uh, and Doctor Frank was trying to control him. He's like, "I created you. I created you," and uh, and the fiend strangles him. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about it. He, Doctor Frank, goes into the room. The fiend is there. Not even much to see about it. It's just sort of happening. Now, describe the fiend to me for a moment. Um. Okay. Well, imagine if you will, a man of a reasonable build. You know, muscular guy. Uh-huh. Um, with a head wrapped in gauze, right? Uh, covered in Kool Aid stains, yep, bright red. Uh, with a uh, foam Spock ears. One, I think maybe one foam Spock ear. I, no, no. There's a scene where they show both. Okay. Yeah, in the beginning though, when when he's a, when he's attacking Doctor Spock, you only see one. Doctor Spock, listen to me, <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> that, that that's the weirdest <laughs> slip I've ever heard. <laughs> Well, you know, he has, he has a newborn baby. He's been given the Vulcan neck grip. Uh, yeah, when he attacks Dr. Frank, he only has one foam ear, but later in the film he has two. And uh, and he has perfectly coiffed hair. Yeah, he's got good hair. It's pretty good hair. Very late 80s hair. So they killed Dr. Frank, and that's why they reported the, the murder to, uh, yeah. to uh, McCoy. Anyway, fuck all this. It doesn't matter. At this point in the movie, you think that it's just a bad movie where the events kind of happen, and who gives a shit? But now, the whole world of this film changes. Yeah. Because we see what appears to be a dance studio, some sort of aerobics location. That's what I assumed at first, that they were just, like, dancing. But then there's all these weird, like, voiceovers in the background where they're, t- I mean, like, they spend the entire freaking time just going, and a one, and a two, yeah. So it's some sort of one. exercise dance class or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I assumed it was a dance class at first, and then they start lifting weights, and I'm like, okay, so it's like some exercise studio. And one of the women um, is skinny. The yeah. other one's a little more heavy set. Yeah. And they're, like, doing stretches and shit. And you're probably thinking... <laughs> You're probably thinking, what the fuck is going on here? But I certainly was. But then they start editing, right? They cut to the creature, and he's walking down this hallway. Now, keep now, now pay attention to what we're saying here, because this is essentially the setup to every scene after this for the rest of the to movie. The, to the point that he's walking in the same hallway. Yeah. The exact same yeah. hallway, the exact same way. He's kind of dragging one foot. It shows a close-up of his feet walking a hallway. It cuts back to these women, and they're doing exercises and dancing and whatnot. And, and I mean, this is very sensible if you're making a movie, right? It's a stalking scene. He's going to kill these women or something like that. Cut to the yeah. women. Cut to the feet. Cut to the women. Cut to the feet. And that would normally be it. But that's not what happens here. Nope. <laughs> I mean, it happens. He, <laughs> he, he keeps that – they keep that going for nine minutes 
look, some of the people listening right now will be thinking like nine minutes. What's the big deal? Normally, this would be like a minute and a half at most. Yeah, and especially for what well, happens let's, here. Let's well, let's 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 give them something to compare it to. The back alley fight scene, the ridiculously long, stupid back alley fight scene, and they live mm-hmm. is six and a half minutes long, and that's known for being ridiculously extended and long. Exactly. This is the the rape scene in Irreversible is nine minutes long. So and this this has a similar feeling to it. Exactly. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> and 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 those films are made by competent, you know, filmmakers. Uh, this is just shots really of, of women like exercising. Endless, yeah. lengthy shots of them exercising. Remember, no sound. I mean, there's music playing and there's dubbed voices and stuff like that. And then cutting back to his feet and then going back. And this, it's just the same music too, the whole movie. Yeah. And at one part, they the camera just slowly zooms in on the one of the women's asses. Yeah, the thinner woman's ass. And that at that point, I was like, and maybe you can correct me on this, Mo, because I don't know anything about women, as I've made clear very many, very many times before. Uh, me no talk too good either. When I think about that ass, I just can't talk right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think that uh, Mr. Schweitzer? meant for this scene to be erotic like the idea of watching these women i mean it i was pleased i suppose that they didn't make some jokes about that the fact that one of them is heavy set but all are we supposed to be feeling sexy because these women are exercising in front of us here's what i think mm-hmm. happened i think this was originally just supposed to be a dancing scene and i think they went back and turned it into a, a an exercise scene because because some idiot probably said, well, you know, one of the chicks is heavier, you know, maybe she could be there like trying to lose weight, you know. So they dubbed in a lot of vocals, uh, not vocals. Listen to me, <laughs> too much too much music on the brain lately. They dubbed in some uh, some you know some overdub uh, talking, you know, where where it clearly sounds like one of them is saying, well, let's try to lose some of that weight. Like, you know? but they say it again and again. I mean, this is nine yeah. minutes. It's just the same shit again and again. Yeah. It is so strange, and you're, and another weird thing about this scene, because by the way, the, the the fiend eventually does reach them, but they're in a locker room at that point, and and that's a, a build up to some weird shit too. Yeah, it's really weird because they're never shown together. the The creature is never shown actually touching any of them, or in the same yeah. shot as any of them. Yeah. It's like this person had like footage from like a music video shoot or something, and it was like, maybe I can work this into my science-crazed horror movie. Yeah, it's like the only reason why it seems to fit is because when they show the locker room scene, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the chubbier girl has like a sort of a terrified look on her face. The other one, not so much. The other one is completely indifferent. <laughs> you know, but, the, but the other one is, is exactly how everybody else in the film is. Yeah, people don't it's react the, scared of him at all. Yeah, everybody's completely indifferent to this guy with gauze on his head, you know, covered in quote-unquote blood. Uh, another sort of reoccurring theme of the entire film is that nobody, with the exception of one person, nobody runs away. Yeah, and it's, it, it, it's especially in just a little bit, and we'll talk about it, it gets ridiculous at how they just stand there while he's like throttling someone for like yeah. four minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also weird how this attack happens. He doesn't touch them, so when the attack is supposed to happen, it just shows that 
that hallway that he was walking from a whole bunch of different angles all, all in a row and yep. with some attack noises in the background. Yeah. And then it shows him dead and they're just they look like they just laid down on like a bench or something. Yeah. Like there's no I mean I, there's barely even like any blood. I think like one of the women has like a trickle coming out of her mouth, but I think the other one's completely untouched. <laughs> she must have died of fright. <laughs> She, she she went from being not scared at all to be horrifyingly terrified. <laughs> um, and th- now we like there'll be a series of these scenes of of murders, um, and they're intercut with these brief scenes of exposition. We mm. get one of those now where McCoy is talking with the two assistants and a third woman who is unidentified in any way. <laughs> Mm. And they're kind of talking about Dr. Frank and the fact that he created what was essentially a synthetic man. Well, I like how he, yeah, and, he, and McCoy has this great line, or um, like he's talking with Terry, and I guess Terry pokes him, and he, and he like or he pokes him with a pencil, and, he, and he's like McCoy's like, or was it McCoy? It's McCoy oh, it with the Terry. pencil because McCoy's being yeah, 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 yeah. And like, Don't poke me with that pencil. <laughs> that damn pencil. That damn pencil. And I mean, this is where we get a really strong sense of McCoy's ridiculous dubbed voice, where he's yeah. ta- he sounds like like Clint Eastwood if he'd smoked too many cigarettes, and he's going, yeah. "Somebody wasted Frank, and it wasn't and no it baby. weren't no baby." <laughs> ridiculous. In fact, we get a sense. Uh, I mean, they're speaking in a very melodramatic way about Fra- Doctor Frank's creation, and and we get, we got a little bit of that. Looks like Frank's girl serum worked. But instead of creating a man, he's created a monster. <laughs> a, fiend. a fiend. It's Rorschach there telling us the name of the creature. Superb deduction, McCoy. <laughs> like she's supposed, I think she's being sarcastic. But she's being sarcastic, <laughs> completely sarcastic. A lot of these scenes, by the way, end with characters just staring off into the distance, and it just it has like it goes like three extra beats too long. Yeah, just people staring. It's so unnerving to watch. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, just incredible. You know, we learn, by the way, and this is such a bizarre. Look, I live in Canada, and I live close to where this actually has been filmed. McCoy says that since uh, it's the weekend, none of the police are going to be on duty until Monday. <laughs> is that true? Is that true in Toronto? That, uh, maybe, that on the weekend? Maybe in 1987. Back where I grew yeah. up, it probably was true. Uh, but because there's no police available in the entire city of Toronto, uh, the three of them are going to have to hunt this fiend by themselves. There's a really great quote next where he's like, uh, he's like, the question is, what's next? <laughs> And there's this ridiculously long pause, and then somebody else goes, we find him, and stop him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually have, we got an audio clip from this scene too, eh? Uh. Are you saying the three of us are going to hunt this, this fiend? I love the pauses. You bet. <laughs> now, when he's saying when he's saying you bet, he has his gun drawn, pointed, touching Terry's nose. Yeah, it's like up Terry's nose. I mean, he's threatening him for no reason at all. You bet. 
this movie is not meant to be a comedy. I mean, it, there's suggestions that it's, some of it is supposed to be humorous, but there's just no way. I mean, everything is played totally straight except for these dubbed voices. Yeah. Except for like the fact that that scene took place in a video store earlier, uh, but there's no hint at that, that at the fact that that's supposed to be comical. This is not. <laughs> it's it is. If you call it a horror comedy, you are really stretching things. Yeah, and I'm talking to you, Mode. If you call it that, I'll come at you. <laughs> come at me, bro. <laughs> <sighs> so that woman that they were having the conversation with, who was not identified in any way. She's just sort of sitting at home in the dark. <laughs> and this is a, the, like the best, well, second best example of what you were saying earlier about that hard lighting. Yeah. Because all she is, she's sitting there and she's lit by this big circle of a spotlight. Yeah. I mean, it's cheaper than dressing a set, I suppose. Well, it's like, and then I have so many questions about this yeah, scene, too. Absolutely. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, so it starts off and she's like reading, right? Yep. But then when she notices him, she's completely indifferent because that's the t- the typical reaction to, to the women, to him in this scene, uh, in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of goes over to him and she starts sort of like touching him. Like rubbing his chest. Yeah, like rubbing him. And I think she touches like his face mm-hmm. too. So it's like, wait, so is she like... Blind? Oh, and maybe that's why she was sitting in the dark. You think? Yeah, I don't know, but but she was reading. Yeah, she was reading. There's no way that she is supposed to be oh, blind. I think the so idea, confusing. and and it does not come across at all, is that she had a strong relationship with Doctor Frank. To mm. her, this is his creation, and she thinks it's this beautiful thing, I suppose. But when she starts touching the creature, the fiend, I mean, it's in a very sort of sexual and erotic way. I mean, she's rubbing his chest and putting her hands up his shirt and stuff like that. And by the way, this just goes on forever. (laughs) It goes on so long that I actually was worried that my, that my file was broken and was repeating. Like I legitimately thought that I was watching the same scene over and over again in a loop because like, it just seemed like I was. And then finally something else happened and I'm like, Wow. I mean, it, the, the idea that anyone would have put that together, like like edited that together and thought, okay, I guess that's done. A scene that literally could be like four seconds long ends up being like six or seven minutes of people yep. just standing in the dark, touching each other with his breathing noises over it. Yeah. It is fucking ridiculous. And I love Awful. that it exists, but it's so strange. Yeah. It really <laughs> It's very weird. And we get what is uh, essentially the first on-screen violence of the film. She uh, tries to uh, say that she she professes to be his friend. She goes, I'm your friend, I'm your... And he picks her up in a big bear hug. And cracks her spine. Cracks her spine over and over again somehow. Yeah, which is really funny. And the whole time her legs are, you know, kicking and... <laughs> Not really sure how that's supposed to work with a broken spine. But it sounds like someone like breaking a chair is the sound of her it, spine. It does, yeah. It sound, it, yeah, yeah. It's really ridiculous. Like somebody has like giant dowels and just, you know. We could rank like top ten strangest moments in this film, and there'd be like all these ties for number two. That that aerobic scene is <laughs> uh, that aerobic scene is number one. I'm just nothing's getting past that. But yeah, there are yeah. lots of contenders and. uh 
He kills her, by the way, and he picks her up in his arms in that classic monster pose, and then he just walks out, and we never really hear from her again because she's dead, and we never dead. find out who she was or what she was all about. Who cares? I, I don't think her name is mentioned once now, in the entire no, film. No, absolutely not. And, and yeah. we had that aerobic scene, which was the strangest scene in the film, but in terms mm-hmm. of most incomprehensible, that's coming up right now. Yep. There's this woman. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna set the stage. <laughs> Please do, because <laughs> this is gonna be hard to describe. There's a woman, and she appears to be like talking, but we don't hear anything because there's no voice. So she's just talking, and we see the fiend walking through the same hall as before. Yeah. And just like before, it's cutting from her while the camera spins around her again. No noise, just music. Then it cuts yeah. to the creature and his breathing. And it, I thought my movie was broken yeah. on this scene. And it just, I mean, I have it written down in my notes. Is this some kind of joke? <laughs> <laughs> because it just repeats. It's just like before. It just endlessly repeats to this woman. She's talking, but no sound. Back to the creature. It would almost be artistic if it wasn't so fucking horribly made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know who she is. We never get an yeah. indication. <laughs> No, no. There's, there's no, there's no telling who she is. There's no any of that. Yeah, she just stands there and she's talking, but no, you can't hear anything. Eventually, the fiend shows up and strangles her. She doesn't try to run away. No. When she sees she him, she doesn't him. show any fear or anything like that. She just stares. He comes over. He chokes her to death. Yeah. What does it represent, Mo? Uh, ennui. Maybe. I think the fiend. <laughs> I think the fiend is supposed to represent our inability to come to terms with our own immortality. Maybe. I think you're thinking too much. You got to do something while these scenes just keep going and going. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Is there is there any scene in this film that's less than like seven minutes long? How long is the movie as a whole, Mo? It's an hour and 22 minutes. Yeah, so it's like 82 minutes long, yeah. and probably, I would say, half of that, maybe a little more, is just complete nonsense filler. It's faff. There's so much faff in this movie, it's not even I mean, funny. this is a short film that has been uh, lengthened, not by adding scenes, but by just making the scenes that were there longer and longer. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of... Weird, strange, lengthy scenes. <laughs> uh, it's see this is this is another this is another scene that I that I would say is a definite qualifier for tying for second. Place. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. This time, the monster, <laughs> the fiend, <laughs> decides to head to the pool. One of those 1987 <laughs> pools that we enjoy so much, and it's a co-ed. So we see men and women frolicking in a particularly. Uh, clean and healthy way. Uh. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing really dirty or sexual about it. They're just kind of like, you know, playing and swimming and splashing and just having fun. There's a woman reading Time magazine as she relaxes by the pool. Yep. Did you remember she open she like turns a page and for some reason there's a naked woman on the next page? No, you don't, don't remember, remember that? that? That's what place. happens for a second. She turns the page, and uh, there's a naked person on the page, and her eyes bug out all of a sudden, and it's never referred to. We don't know why. Why the fuck there was pornography within her <laughs> Time magazine? Maybe, I don't know. I felt like we just like wandered into like an 80s sex comedy just for like that one second, and then everyone's back for to... a millisecond. Yeah, and then we're back to just kind of clean horseplay at the fucking pool. Yeah. And this is and this scene's really great, too, because, again, it, ta- it lasts forever. Yes. 
and uh and you, we see we see the the fiend kind of peek in the door and he's kind of like staring at everybody you know nobody really notices him yet nobody really notices him until he actually comes into the room um but it's just like it, again it's just the pool him staring the pool him staring the pool him staring <laughs> yeah. you know it just goes goes back and forth for an ungodly amount of time um, this scene does occasionally have some dubbed over dialogue but it's just the most you know, random, like people saying hello, that sort of thing in the background. Yeah, you had asked me to grab a clip of, of, of somebody saying hi, but I just couldn't really hear anything good enough to grab anything. To me, it just it just sounded it sounded a lot like the um like the the lobby conversation sound effect that 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 I have in Garage. That's Band. exactly what I was going to say. Where you have yeah. a kind of background chatter that you use as sort of kind of the the lowest level of sound effect in the background. Yeah, that's all, and that's all it sounded like to me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so he eventually comes out and, uh, and jumps into the pool. Well, and jumps, he walks into the pool. <laughs> yeah, he, like, falls into the pool and starts attacking, uh, one of the women on there. And everybody, and, and, of course, yet again, same reaction from, from, from all the women. It's all, it's the women who, who just sit and stare, you know? And meanwhile, this, meanwhile, the fiend is, like, beating up this woman and, like, drowning her and, and all this shit and finally this one guy kind of takes it on himself to to come over of course the woman's long dead by this point oh yes you know and he comes over and he and he kind of yells you, you son of a bitch you motherfucker you son of a bitch i'll kill you i'll kill you i'll kill you <laughs> so so that's about his, that's about how long his attack lasts before he gets crumpled and thrown up onto the uh, onto the side of the pool. We haven't really talked about it, but the fiend moves particularly slowly. Yeah, like he moves like he is in water all the time. It would be yeah. simple to get away from him. In fact, when he appears to murder someone, he usually appears like in a doorway, giving someone plenty of time just to walk away. But they never do. They just stand mm. while he attacks. This is no, that's not true. One person, <laughs> you one person runs away. No, no, not <laughs> this guy. There's one woman later. Oh yeah, I, I, I think it might be. Uh, it might be Joan. It is I, Joan, I actually. Though I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, she, she runs away, and but that's it. That's the only time in the movie anybody actually thinks to run away from this guy. Everybody in the there could have been a mortality rate of of uh, you know of a hundred percent. You know, like everybody could have survived this film. It, 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 uh, it's it's it was so e so easy to get away from this guy. By the way, I know it's Toronto, it's Canada, it's the weekend, so the cops are all off duty. Eh, if you've yep. got a few murders happening, maybe you pull a couple of guys who are sleeping in on Sunday just to come out and help or something. You'd think. <laughs> you would think. This scene doesn't end, by the way. It just suddenly, it is no longer the attack. It is now the, the McCoy and Terry uh, doing some investigative work and talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is hilarious, too, because, again, everyone is dubbed. So it's like, what did he look like? Six feet? Well, I, I, love how everything, I love how everything they do is in, like, increments of 15 minutes. Yeah. They're like, let's split up and meet back in 15 minutes. <laughs> no. You know, and then later they're like, yeah, we'll wait 15 minutes and then we'll, and then we'll go search again. And, of course, it doesn't, th that doesn't even make any sense because it, that never leads into something later on where they, like, reconnect no. or something. They just appear randomly in random places. Like, is this pool supposed to be in the same building as all the rest of the stuff happening? I guess. Because later on it shows the outside of the building, the original, I guess, uh, medical building or wherever the fuck they work. Uh, and... 
and it's all supposed to be taking. Like, why are these people there in the pool? Why is there a pool? Yeah. Why, why is there an aerobic studio? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so they do split up to for no reason, for no good reason, certainly, because why would they? Uh, yeah. And then it cuts to McCoy just sort of sitting and pointing his gun at nothing. I guess he's never really used one as a police officer before. <laughs> and, like, loading it hey, and polishing yeah, it. Yeah, he starts cleaning his gun. And then we see, as you mentioned before, it's just Joan, and she's walking through that one hallway that we've seen so many times before. Yeah, and then we got this, you know, and then it, we have this the shot of Joan walking, you know, the fiend shuffling. Yeah. Joan walking, the fiend shuffling, and it just cuts back and forth and back and forth. Classic Switzer. Yeah, classic Switzer. <laughs> and then... Um, we got this hallway, then, let's make a movie. <laughs> and then and then Joan finds the dead body of the, uh, of the quote-unquote blind woman from before. <laughs> Is that what you refer to her? Even though there's no indication that she was blind, and we actively saw her reading... Yep, she's going to be the blind woman. She's the quote-unquote blind woman. No reason for her corpse yeah. to be out in the hallway, by the way. Yeah. So he, we saw him pick her up earlier. He brought her just outside her own door and just dropped her on the floor. It's effective. <laughs> it's a great way, great way to have those bodies found. He, cha- he chases um, after her. and I mean, Yeah, and she actually runs. Yeah, she runs, and she doesn't even need to run. She could just walk, and she would have easily outran him. Yep. And she runs right into Terry. He gives a reassuring, cool. easy, baby, easy. <laughs> uh, like the fiend's like going like manic in the hallway. He's just going nuts. He's going, what's great is, is that once she runs into Terry and he tries to calm her down, we get a first-person shot just for a moment, uh, and the breathing is in the background, so we know that it's the fiend, and it opens like a doorway into a stairwell, yeah. and then it shows him in the hall again. So it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's so fucked up. I mean, what is going on? <laughs> and then we see McCoy show up in the same hallway. Yeah. And he, he sees the creature, even though I, they were supposed to have been, remember, they were, they were separated and searching different parts of the building. M- McCoy mm-hmm. arrives, he sees the creature, he draws his gun, you get gunshot noises. They don't even try to make it like, look like he's actually shooting a gun. Yeah. And the creature, the fiend, dodges the Dodges bullet. the bullets. Now, we're not, this Amazing. isn't the Matrix. He just moves his head so the bullet doesn't yeah. hit him. Ridiculous. There's no bullet hole in the background. He just there's a bullet sound. He moves his head so he doesn't get shot, and then he uh, he, he moves as fast as the creature moves in the entire movie by just kind of running past McCoy. <laughs> 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 there's a director telling them to make this happen. It's like now point the yeah. gun. Okay, no. Yeah. Okay, dodge the bullet. <laughs> 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 All right, so he's going to shoot you. Dodge it. <laughs> now, you're really angry. You're really angry because he was shooting at you. You could attack him, but don't. No, don't. T- just run past him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we got, this, we got the scene where McCoy is sort of confronted by Joan and Terry for losing the fiend. They're upset at the fact that he got past yeah, him. That he got past him. And then they decide to wait 15 minutes and start looking again. Because... <laughs> might as well let him get as far away as possible. Who knows yeah. what other and weird things this building might have. Then there's a weird sort of moment where where McCoy and Terry get kind of close. Like, it really looks like they're just, like, really about to kiss. Mm-hmm. You know? And it go- they if they stare at each other, it's really odd and uncomfortable. Yeah. They should have kissed. So, mean- so meanwhile, while they're waiting 15 minutes, the Fiend finds another woman and kills her. <laughs> we're just gonna... We're just gonna go... We're just gonna say that? That's what happens? <laughs> no, I mean, we know what happens, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, just, like, ridiculous. Like, oh, right, they like, waited just so he can go kill someone else? Yeah, yeah, like, they're they're waiting. Meanwhile, he's murdering again. 
This murder is another <laughs> contender for the second most odd thing to happen in the film. The uh, victims in this case are two goth girls. Yeah. You don't really find out that there's a second one in the room <laughs> at first. <laughs> it's another dark room with just a spotlight. I mean, what? <laughs> one of them, one of, this goth girl is there, so I guess she's working late at the lab or something. Sure. She looks like Susie Sue. And he chokes her. And this is where the editing is so fucked up because they keep cutting back to this close-up of her head while he's choking her. But the close-up was not taken while anyone's hand was around her neck. So, you know, there are parts where her eyes are closed and then it cuts to the same shot of her just sort of sitting there with her eyes open. And then it keeps cutting back and forth, back and forth. And literally, like 10 and 11 times, they keep cutting to the same shot even when she's being moved around the room. And so, her, like, her head, the, the spatial continuity is all out of whack. It is fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And after she's dead, after like she's been choked all around the room, then he suddenly grabs someone else out of the darkness, another goth girl. <laughs> we didn't even know she was there. Well, it's it's a pretty well-known fact that if you're in a room that only has one light and there's a goth girl in it, if you reach into the darkness, chances are you will find another one. And it worked it worked for the fiend cuz he brings worked. her onto the bed and just starts choking her as well. <laughs> but thankfully, Schweitzer didn't think that we had to see her entire four-minute choking scene, <laughs> Holmes, uh, and <laughs> and they uh, they decided just to cut away to if I had to choose if I was if I was stricken down on the floor and someone said, "Hey, Doug, choose what you think is the second most odd bit of this film," it would be what is coming up right now. I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm kind of on board with you on this one. I think I think so. So maybe we should say all those other scenes are, are a good tie for third. Right. I think this one probably wins, oh, wins man. second at the very least. I'll, I'll play the clip. It's there's okay. no real. There, there's got to be one piece of setup, which is that there's a woman at a desk. It cuts to a woman we've never seen before. She's sitting at a desk, and this is what she says. I suggest nerve gas tests be conducted in the following countries: France. I love how long she takes to get... I mean, how long does it take to write France? This is still the pause. Yeah, yeah, we're still in the pause here. Canada? C-A... You know. know. Yeah, I thought I'd end on Canada, because I, you know... Well, let me tell tell the audience that she does not end on Canada. She (laughs) moves on to say, France, Canada... United States, Italy, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, Germany, Spain, England, Mexico, Australia, Colombia, Holland, and Norway at that same pace all the way through with those huge spaces in between each one. That one scene added like six extra minutes to the film. Let us not forget that she started by saying, I suggest nerve gas tests. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. (laughs) The creature is stalking her, of course. Uh, eventually, as she starts going through this list, they start cutting to him, of course, shambling through a hallway again. <laughs> uh, and he arrives, and does she look scared? No. No, she looks a little bit more amused than scared in this case. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is one of the few times where she's where the, where the victim is not just completely indifferent. Yeah, she looks like she's stifling a laugh. Because, <laughs> you, you know, Spock ears and all. Can you imagine 
what they were thinking when they were filming this? Like a list, a list of countries. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to say that nerve gas tests are going to be conducted in these countries. By the way, the idea is like, oh yeah, we're going to do nerve gas tests in these countries. No more specific locations than that. Just, you know, France, Canada, United States. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder if like they didn't have a list like set up and like they, she had to like think of those off the top of her head. Because while she's pausing, it looks like she is thinking. She thinks for a second. South Korea, <laughs> Germany. I mean, it's so weird. I mean, I love it, but it. I don't. I just want to. I want to like give Ron Switzer or Switzer. Uh, I just want to give him a big hug and say thank you for forcing me to witness whatever you wanted. I mean. Whatever you thought was a good idea here, it wasn't. It was a terrible idea, but thank you for doing it because your madness. <laughs> it's not entertaining. It's just strange. Yeah, it's well, it's one of those things. I mean, like I remember when we, you know, when we recorded uh, the the very first episode for Hip Hop Locos. One of the questions you had asked me was, you know, what do you get out of this film? And I had answered, well, you get a story. You know, and I think I think science crazed is almost the exact same thing. Now, granted, obtaining that story was a much more pleasant experience, but it's still the same sort of idea. You get this story that you can say, I watched the most ridiculous fucking movie ever. This is I mean, this is the kind of movie, unlike Hip Hop Locos, where you might sit someone down and be like, you got to see this because it is. This is the kind of this is the kind of movie where you want to sit down forty something people yeah. and say, "Watch this." I mean, there is there's talk of possible screenings of this coming up, and the idea of like a hundred or two hundred people maybe sitting down and watching this at once, and all like seeing like a, like a lot of them seeing it for the first time, and the reaction to say that nine minute scene. I mean, I would just I would love. It would, the best thing would be to get it in front of people who had no idea what they're about to see and maybe are not very tolerant of these kind of films and just watch yeah. how many people walk out in the first half hour <laughs> because there's just I mean I wouldn't be able to blame them because everything after that is just as fucked up and incomprehensible I love it I mean this this yeah. is it for me man I think I might retire after this one <laughs> <laughs> it was a good run we, we, didn't, we didn't get to 30 episodes <laughs> This movie, by the way, it's it's cut into like little pieces that could be rearranged in all sorts of different ways. After this scene where the woman she gets choked, I think we mentioned that the woman at the desk saying all the countries. <laughs> we did, we didn't, but she does. She gets choked because that's what happens to everybody, pretty much. Then suddenly, the creature is <laughs> outside the door, or like he opens the door, and inside this room are Joan and Terry and McCoy. They're in this pitch black room, basically. And they're just sort of sitting together for some reason. Just lots of staring. And they just stare at the creature who's there in the door. And they stare at him for a really uncomfortable amount of time before one of them says, We have company. Yeah! <laughs> it's the fiend! It's right there! <laughs> yes, yeah, so, the, so McCoy goes to reach for his gun, and the fiend tears his mask off. We finally get, like, the reveal of the fiend. He's got sort of like a Quasimodo type face thing going on. He looks, yeah, he looks like kind of a cross between like Toxie and and Quasimodo. But it's just his face; it's not like the rest. Yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got an ugly face, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I've had one for thirty three years. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> but McCoy, he ain't having any of that. He is going to. I think he's a little embarrassed about his failure before. So the creature backs out of the room. <laughs> I guess I don't know why. 
And McCoy follows him out, and he has his gun. And that's that's when the creature pulls off the bandages. And uh, McCoy uh, is going to arrest the creature. In fact, that's exactly what he voices. He pulls out his handcuffs, and what does he say? More under arrest. <laughs> Watch the cuffs. He said something right after that, too. He goes, he, he uh, goes you ugly son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Watch the cuffs. But, of course, that doesn't work. The monster slams No, because McCoy. because McCoy, who's clearly the worst police officer in the history of police officers... I mean, he's just... He is entirely incompetent, except for a gruff just, voice. Yeah. You know, I mean, he certainly sounds like a cop on the edge. But, you know, he goes to cuff... He goes to cuff him, and, like, he, like, brings his entire body into the... You know, to the fiend's wrist to attach the cuff... And the ri- and the bee the, the fiend, you know, Beats, nails him, yeah, like hits him in the him back of the, the head. Is- I mean, obviously, this creature is supposed to be a lot more uh, powerful than him. Let's make something really clear, by the way, Mo. We are now down to the final ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> those scenes that we uh-huh. were talking about before, like those those murder scenes, all of, like each one of those were like ten minutes long. They're so long. So we're almost at that, the end of the movie right now. That we're at the end of the film, yeah. So, McCoy is presumably dead. I say presumably for a reason that you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) In about a second. (laughs) And uh, the monster runs away or shuffles shuffles away. Under under arrest. (laughs) And the creature runs away to an underground parking garage, a different location. He doesn't just, like, run away. He, like, lopes. Yeah, he kind of shuffles away again, (laughs) Quasimodo-like. Yeah. And um, Joan and Terry, who should be very afraid of what has been happening and seem to want to get away, this would be a good opportunity for them to do so. But they don't. They follow the no. creature into the parking garage. Yeah. And, I mean, for no reason in particular, the creature starts, of course, attempting to kill them, and they're terrified again. <laughs> They'll say things yeah. like, He'll kill us! Yeah, you shouldn't have followed him down there. Yeah, and they're like, and they're like all kind of like shuffling around a car. We've heard a couple of jokes from people on message boards and things, and oh, like over on our Facebook group, about how the electronic music here is sort of, sort of dubstepy, and it really is. It's the electronic music in the background, which just repeats again and again. It's actually kind of modern sounding, but it's also just horrible. Yeah, it's so repetitive. Is this the music that uh, that Ashley wanted me to throw in the? Uh, I, I uh, think so at the beginning. As the yeah. outro. Well. Tough. Tough. T-U-F. <laughs> tough. tough. Tough titties. Um, That should be the podcast name. <laughs> tough titties tough podcast. Titties. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Tough Titties podcast. You want something? Tough titties. <laughs> the end. The end. Every week. Now, th- there's bad dubbing in this movie. There's lots of it. But I think we get the worst of the bad dubbing uh, momentarily because... Terry and Joan, who are nervous and mm. not do not want to get killed by the creature, he is going to. Terry is going to walk off and get something, and she goes, "Where are you going?" And he goes, "Wait here." Except his mouth is moving the entire time throughout that, like it's just going on and on and on. <laughs> and then suddenly his mouth just says, "Wait here." <laughs> it's very strange. What's great is that he all he says is, "Wait here." The minute he walks off screen, she doesn't wait there. She walks into the darkness and is immediately accosted by the creature. Ridiculous. But it doesn't matter. She's okay because McCoy is there. 
Woohoo! He's all bloody, and he has a gun in his hand. Yeah, this next scene kind of confused me. Lots of weird editing here. There's a lot. Well, there's a lot of weird editing. There's a lot of weird, like, gore. <laughs> if you can call it that. If you can call it that, and you know, so McCoy shoots the fiend in the leg, I believe. Yes, or around and it that, starts yeah. spewing like green nastiness. Maybe he was a Vulcan the whole time. Ah, uh, you green-blooded bastard. <laughs> um, bastard. <laughs> you're under arrest. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's bleeding green. Uh, and then Terry uh, gets a machete. Mm-hmm. Like, he for some I don't know. Was it in the trunk it, of that car? It was car, in the trunk of a car. I guess he knew yeah. that. It must have been his car, I suppose. I guess. Whatever. And he hacks him in the shoulder. Right. And that bleeds red. Right. And in fact, all the blood on this shirt is also red, as we might recall. Well, I just need to spill the glass of Kool-Aid. That's right. Yeah. But, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's bleeding red. So his leg's bleeding green, his arm's bleeding red. So I guess he must have just had a really bad infection. We should mention, by the way, that McCoy, after shooting the creature, he just falls over dead. Yeah. And he dies Perfect. in a really dramatic way, whereas he just sort of flails and falls very slowly. Yeah, Really insane. <laughs> but yeah, Terry gets his uh, machete, and uh, he slices the creature in like the shoulder slash neck, and we get some weird close-ups that don't have continuity with the rest of it, and then yeah. the, all the breathing sounds, which let, let us iterate again that the creature never stops breathing, and it never stops sounding like what it sounded like when we heard it earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nonstop. <laughs> and that breathing stops. Finally. So then Terry kisses Joan. I guess they're a couple. <laughs> I guess. They look at McCoy's body. Yeah, they sob over McCoy for a little bit. Um, it's great. You know, even though they ha- even though he was a complete and utter scumbag. Yeah. It, it, the, the conversation they have is brilliant. It, it, she goes, is he? And he goes, yeah, he's dead. And she goes, he saved our lives. And eh, not really. Didn't I mean he kind of saved her life with that gunshot? But I mean Terry would have been by with that machete a second later anyway. And we know the guy takes ten minutes to choke anybody. Yeah, he, I mean he's a regular hip hop loco. That's right, Holmes. Let's, <laughs> let's go get some coca, and we'll I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I discover that Terry had an earring the entire time. I just couldn't believe it. He was so cool, and I didn't even know. Choke that fiend essay. And they walk off into the darkness. But, hold up, hold up, Holmes, Mm -hmm. Uh, we also discover, because the breathing noises start again, that the creature isn't actually dead. Yeah, and they kind of pan into the the face, into a close-up, and his eye opens up. The end. Uh, There might as well be a big question mark on the screen at that point. Or is it? And that's the movie. Now we have some closing credits, but that's the movie. My favorite part of the closing credits, and I posted it on our on our group, was the uh, was the credit for the catering, mm-hmm. which was from Pizza Pizza and Domino's. <laughs> they did catering, which was nice of them. Pizza Pizza being a very popular franchise here in Ontario, the the credits are sort of weird. I mean, some of the people who were in the film were there's a surprising number of them, considering how many people you actually see in the film. But yeah. some of them, like lots of them, are are just one name. Uh, credits yeah, like, like Ebony and Melody and Vicky yeah. and you just I mean is there's only two possibilities here 
They were strippers or porn stars. Yeah. Okay. Three possibilities. The other one is maybe they just didn't want themselves properly credited <laughs> for whatever. Oh reason. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's true. But uh, it's interesting then, your mind went there. There. Well, of course, that's where my mind is always going to go. There's also one other interesting things about a thing about this credits. The coming soon. Coming soon. Revenge of the fiend. Which never happened. To our knowledge, there's no sequel to Science Crazed called Revenge of the Fiend. However, if I ever do run into Ron Switzer or Switzer, <laughs> I will ask him about Revenge of the Fiend. Uh, maybe if I randomly encounter him in Toronto. Uh, and, and see, maybe I think Kickstarter time, we get Revenge of the Fiend financed and made. If Todd Cheese can make a comeback, if... Todd Jason Falcon Cook can make a comeback. It's time for Ron Switzer slash Switzer to make a comeback. I, t- I tell you what. I tell you what. I if if Ron Switzer Switzer, <laughs> uh, if if he if he films uh, Revenge of the Fiend, I will offer up my editing services for gratis. Fuck that. No, I, 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 Ron edited this. He can edit that. No, I want to edit it. I want to edit it. I want to be part like. of history. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> of course, I sound. Of course, I sound miserable. I'm sick. Science Crazed, filmed in 1987, later did get an actual VHS release that people saw. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like our mutual friend on Twitter, uh, Josh Johnson, the. Uh, uh, one of the men, one of the men behind the rewind this documentary, mm-hmm. um, you know he that's where I first heard about it. And this was several months back. Uh, they were kind of touting about it uh, over on Twitter, and I've kind of been searching for it ever since. And it was it really just, it took me forever to 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 get my hands on on a copy. Um, but it had a legitimate VHS release in both Canada and the United States. So, yeah. and, and, and I mean, I don't know how wide ranging it was or how common it was or anything along those lines. But, I mean, it must have been quite a surprise for people who might have just wandered onto this film to sit down to watch it and be like, ah, oh, it's a cheapy horror film just like any other. Yeah. It is not, man. I mean. Yeah, because the box art certainly makes you think that it's, it's like just a, a movie. legitimate horror Absolutely. Film. Yeah. yeah. Man, what? What was up with science craze? So many questions. It leaves you with those like like those burning questions where you just want someone to explain certain sections of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it does seem like the entire Schweitzer slash Switzer family were in the film in some capacity. Uh, probably yeah. brothers, sisters, cousins, nieces. Who knows? What was it? Was it the uh, the Canuxploitation? Review. Jonathan Culp's review of it over at the Exploitation website is is brilliant, and it's yeah. when I read it at first, I was like, "This is a movie I must see." <laughs> but he kind of posited that uh, that the film was probably financed by his mother, <laughs> you know, but at the uh, but but uh, but requiring him to uh, to give. Uh, his siblings uh, speaking roles. <laughs> now, <laughs> put your brother in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I just I just want to hope that that's in fact what actually happened because that is hilarious. I mean, we can we can 
<laughs> we can only posit. My favorite quote from that review, by the way, and everyone should check it out, is that he says that the middle hour of science crazed actually achieves the mathematically impossible as tedium somehow collapses back in on itself. <laughs> Which is totally true. That time and space have no meaning when you're watching this movie. It's true. It's a, it's a long 82 minutes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean... You know, like if I if I had been smart and started uh, started watching this movie the other day, it would have been a lot easier for me. But I tried to, you know, I, I figured ah, it's only an hour and twenty minutes. You know, I should be able to, to to bang it out in an afternoon. And you know, I I you know, I had about a half an hour to spare before we started recording because like it just took me all afternoon to finish this thing. I watched it in segments, which is exactly how you should experience. How you it. should, yeah. I mean, I mean, for for what we're doing, yes. You know, watch it in segments. If you don't have to take notes and you don't have to like find audio clips and all that jazz, you know, yeah, sure, you could watch it in one go pretty easily, um, preferably drunk. Yeah, preferably drunk. Science crazed. Everyone should check it out if you can. There are ways to do so. I mean, there is no legitimate DVD release to my knowledge of Science Craze, which is a shame. It is a movie that should be um, enjoyed for the qualities it does have, as well as the qualities that it doesn't. Um, Mm. And if someone was to do a search on YouTube, you might be able to find something about the movie. I don't really generally like people finding things that way, but it's all there, so go find it. (laughs) Science Crazed. 1991, sort of. Consider me crazed with science. I am an acolyte. I want people to watch this. There is a group on Facebook for Science Craze, and I suggest that you go over and join it right after you join the No Budget Nightmares. There's a group? Because I know there's the fan page. Sorry, I meant the fan page. Oh, I was going to say, because I definitely liked the fan page. Yeah, you got to like that fan page. We got to get the fires burning, uh, and we got to get the attention. We got to get... Mo well again, so we can go yeah. out and and tell people. You gotta go tell it on the mountain. Yeah, if I have if I have the opportunity of of setting up a screening in Connecticut for for Science Crazed, I will take that opportunity. That, that I I think you know I think if the word gets out to the right people, it could be it could be a a, a hit here. The thing is, the tough thing is, you have to describe it in a way. Like this isn't the room or Birdemic, right? This yeah. this is very specific. I mean, there isn't a wide audience for this. No, but it's something special for the crowd that loves this sort of thing, and we love this sort of thing, Mo. Yeah. In fact, Mo, I love you. Aww. We're brothers in arms. <laughs> <laughs> so, Indeed. so if you are going to go like. Uh, science crazed over on Facebook. Why don't you also go ahead and like the No Budget Nightmares podcast? Fuck yeah! It's a. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually do it. Uh, let's see. Facebook.com/slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word. We have a great crowd over there. And while you're at it, why don't you join the No Budget Nightmares group at Facebook.com/slash Groups/slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word. Well done, Doug. <laughs> That's a special update noise. You, okay. you could dub in some horns or something if you wanted. Uh, <laughs> some might recall that a few episodes ago we covered a film called Reanimator Academy. Do you remember, Mo? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. It's a very odd film, and it, like Science Crazed, it left us with a few questions. And we mentioned at the time that we had reached out to try to find some of the answers to those questions, and to some extent... We didn't, <laughs> but to a much greater extent, now 
We did. The last episode we mentioned that the trail had run cold, but as trails have want to do, they burst into flames once again, and some information did spread our way, thanks to the uh, wonderful Benton Jennings, that's at Mm. Benton Jennings over on Twitter, uh, who was in the film, as some of you might recall. In fact, we praised his performance as the best thing in the film. And Absolutely. now he's the best thing in our day-to-day lives because he gave some very brief answers on his Twitter feed. <laughs> uh, 140 characters or less. Not much you can say. Really, I only wanted one major piece of information, which is who directed the film. Uh, I did, <laughs> I did uh, suggest uh, on that episode, some of you might recall, uh, that it was from the uh, same director... Uh, as Redneck County Fever, uh, which was um, uh, Matt Dunn. It wasn't. Well, you have it confirmed that it was not done. Ben says that he's sworn to secrecy for life who actually directed it. Uh, in fact, he comically responds that Judith Priest did, as we remember Judith was um, <laughs> credited, but that was obviously some sort of terrible pseudonym. He also confirms, by the way, one of the things that we had a bit of a question about, um, that the slapping sounds when he gets slapped in the face in the movie that they were they were, they were supposed to dub in they were supposed to dub in uh, but they just never did which is why those scenes are so strange but one interesting thing by the way uh, about that is that I never asked him about the slapping which suggests that he either listened to part of the podcast or I think it was only ever mentioned on the podcast so Benton <laughs> answer more questions <laughs> <laughs> Please, actually. I mean, again, he was the best part of that movie. He's actually a professional actor who's continuing to work. Why don't you go follow him over at, at Benton Jennings, B-E-N-T-O-N Jennings, and uh, and force him uh, nicely to answer more questions about Reanimator Academy. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Uh, but yeah, you're going to want to do that because uh, we, we we need more. Uh, I love I love the fact that we have these sometimes minor, sometimes major connections to uh, people that we've referred to or experienced through some of our films uh, recently. Uh, in fact, it, speaking of the the group uh, or or groups <laughs> that uh, that we kind of uh, look at over on Facebook, and yeah, I am just sort of wasting time until I can get to what I'm trying to say. Yeah, vamp a little. Vamp. Oh, the fame. <laughs> oh, yes, I wanted to ma- mention that David Sitman, um, who was actually in Suburban Sasquatch, now is posting over on that port. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. He plays the, uh, some of you might recall from Suburban Sasquatch. It was a while ago, I understand. He plays that character that uh, I don't remember any of the characters' names, but he's like a real estate person that uh, that the main character goes to dinner with in the film, uh, and they sit down and he acts like a real asshole to him, and the meal lasts like three <laughs> seconds, and then he just walks <laughs> off. Some of you might recall that happening in Suburban Sasquatch. David not only appears in that scene, he also appears in And Firm Dickhole. <laughs> Of all movies. As a teacher. Uh, and he also produced a film that I covered recently, um, uh, Stephen Granger's film, uh, that it's Tromet Super... Tro- oh, uh, that's right. Super Tromet Action Movie Go. Uh, so he basically is the Rosetta Stone for recent no-budget coverage. <laughs> 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 but we welcome him. Hey, some of the filmmakers, they pop in over on the uh, group slash no-budget nightmares over on Facebook. Check it out. Join up. Contribute. Let's see what uh, what we can find here. We are journalists now. We are going to track down the answers to some of these no budget mysteries. 
I'm no journalist. I also want to mention, by the way, that recently Todd Sheets, if you go check out his page on Facebook, is having uh, Brandon Bennett, who's a, a friend of the podcast, uh, is helping organize an auction to uh, help cover some of Todd Sheets' uh, recent medical bills. You should check that out as well. There's lots of really cool Definitely. donated things. Uh, and Todd, man, we love you. We're glad you're better. We're glad that you're making another movie. We put some information about that up over on the uh, on the yeah, group as well. I mean, that is they're actually doing casting calls right now on the Todd Sheets uh, fan group over on Facebook. Mm. There's some cool stuff happening in Todd Sheets land. Just makes me want to revisit Nightmare Asylum. <laughs> well, revisit another, you know, any any essentially anything else of his. Mo, that brings up a very important question that I want to ask you right this very second. Sure. In the grand scheme of the films that we have covered here on the uh, No Budget Nightmares podcast, in terms of quality, no, Hip Hop Locos, nothing's really going to take that out of the number one spot, not for a while. I don't it's think. Gonna, it would take a monumental level of shit to, to top Hip Hop Locos. Where does Science Crazed fit in the grand well, scheme? Well, that's, that's a weird and sort of tough question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to say as far as how poorly made the film is... is it's number two for me. Sure, I don't, I don't, I don't really see any of the other films being more poorly made. However, the problem with that is that it's is that Science Crazed is way more endearing than a lot of the other shittier movies. So it's kind of a tough call as as to where to put it. I'm still going to say number two for now, but I'm going to say number two with an asterisk. It does deserve an asterisk because. Like I was saying before, I, I would gladly watch Science Crazed again with a group. Oh, of people. absolutely! But I still... see myself seeing it again in the future, which is something that yeah. I would ne- I like. I'll never watch Barely Legal Lesbian Vampires again. I probably will yeah. never watch The Summer of the Massacre again. Terror tunes. Terror tunes. I mean, there are movies that I just have no real interest in ever revisiting for a variety yeah. of reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but this one, I you know, if, if you if you do rank these things in terms of your your kind of positive or negative feelings towards them. I have nothing but negative feelings towards Hip Hop Locos, but I can say with some sincerity that I have a lot of curiosity and interest and positive feelings towards Science Crazed. Yeah, it, but it's still a very poorly made film. It is extremely poorly made, and that's just part of its weird charm. Yeah. If you can call it that. Mo, I did cover a moment ago, our Facebook pages, but there are other ways to keep up on the goings-on of... I mean, since you have a lot of shit going on recently, I bet people are going to want to keep up on the progress of that project that you're working on and your other uh, your other projects, especially with the new year coming along. How can they follow you? For, you know, for me, I mean, obviously they can follow me on Twitter. I'm at DrunkOnVHS. They can uh, follow the progress of the promo DVD... Uh, by by either liking my production page, which is uh, it's Yabetcha Productions, uh, which is fa- Facebook dot com slash Yabetcha Productions. Um, they could also do a search on Facebook for "It Came from Connecticut" Volume One. Spell out Connecticut. That's the fan page for the comp itself. You're such a social media guru, Mo. I do a lot on social media. You sure do. You know, they can follow me on Twitter as well. It's uh, I'm at Doug underscore Tilly. Uh, some who do follow me uh, will notice that I've recently been uh, picked as the number four 
no particular order the number is the numbers don't really mean anything but i like to think that they do mm-hmm. the number four best reason to visit peterborough ontario canada because i'm so damn amusing don't you agree mo Okay. No. No, I understand. (laughs) That's T-I-L-L-E-Y, by the way. Doug underscore Tilly over at... uh, Seriously, you were picked as one of the reasons to visit Peterborough? Yeah, you did not see that. Mo, I was on the list. The list. I have been so busy lately. Like, I haven't been on Twitter at all, and I'm not really... You know, I mean, I do stuff on Facebook when I have a... I have noticed, actually. There has been a hollow space in my life where Mo once existed. Um, yeah, I've been way busy. You did not do a proper job of supporting my release of my uh, yearly cover of Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time. Look, look, that thing got freaking radio play. It got okay? on the radio, Mo. Can you imagine? That's insane. Yeah, that's, I was on the radio. I don't give a shit. I'm talking about me. <laughs> Wonderful Christmas Time. But it's no karaoke version of Wonderful Christmas Time. Fucking A. 1,000 <laughs> views by the time that this episode is released, I swear. That's wild. What are you at now? Uh, 925, I think. Oof. We're close. It's coming. Um, yeah. Mo. Yours? There is one other way for people to contact us. Via email. Well, the traditional way. Yep. What are the email addresses? Two. Well, yes, we have two. We have two. Um, one of them is uh, nobudgetnightmares at dailygrindhouse.com. Mm-hmm. Or they could send it, send one to no budget nightmares DG as in Daily Grindhouse at gmail dot com. That's true, and we do have the viewer listener not viewer listener mail to contribute this week. Yeah, exactly. Get you know uh, we're gonna take you know we're gonna take the next couple of weeks you know uh, push pretty hard for uh, for listener submissions. Um, you know, we want to try to schedule some interviews and, and whatnot with uh, some of the filmmakers. But why is that, Mo? Why are we doing that? Because our big 30th episode is coming up. It's it. It's, it this is you the know, big one. This was the 29th episode. Next episode is 30. We're going to, you know, we, we, we want to give back. And, uh, you know, we have and we have some diehard fans out there. And I'd love to to get some, you know, some audio recording uh, from them and and have them on the show, or if they want, they can write in. You know, we'll read it, but I'd much rather have an audio recording. They can write in, like good friend of the show Robert Long wrote in just this past week. Yeah, he, he just said, and I'll re- read it out since you always stumble over this shit. Doug Thanks, and Mo, <laughs> <laughs> Doug and Mo, I have finished listening to Holy Moly podcast. That was the uh, previous film that we covered, and it yeah, was, I'm the one who stumbles over shit, and it was great. You guys rock. Keep up the superb work, and always remember, it's standard issue, Robert Long. We do love that Robert Long, and we're glad to have him as one of the listeners on this show. We've mentioned him before, of course. Mm-hmm. And we should also mention uh, Nova Genetic Mirror superfan Ashley Montgomery recently suffered through Hip Hop Locos, one of the few people on this earth to do so. And she did it just because she thought it would give her cred with us, which it does not. Frankly, I'm a little embarrassed for her. And let's not forget to give uh, Robert a little plug with the whole with the Smasher Trash. Smasher Trash, that's right, Robert Long. Yeah, I believe it's uh, what is it? It's www.smashertrashindiefilmmaking.com. I believe right? that is correct. Uh, let me actually yeah. pull that up to make sure that we're getting that correctly. Yeah, I just got it. it is, that's what it is. <laughs> it's yeah, smashertrashindiefilmmaking.com. Um, all one word, obviously, Robert Long. We love that guy. Good dude. Mo, what film are we covering next for our 30th episode? 
We're not. We're not. It's going to be a special <laughs> episode of uh, listener feedback, us kind of going over some of our favorite memories of the first 30 episodes. It's also yeah. going to work as a special sort of year-end, uh, beginning of 2013-style episode. It's going to be something really special. It's going to be something super exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm nervous, though. I'm nervous that people are a little intimidated by me, probably, and a little bit by yourself, and they might not feel comfortable <laughs> Contacting us and telling us what they like about the show, or maybe well, they can feel free to contact me because I'm way more personable. Mm, I do give off the uh, aloof air of a dandy gentleman. <laughs> That's what it is. That's the problem, I think. Yeah, you don't you don't give off the uh, the vibe of a uh, of a of a needy you know clingy uh, social media junkie. It's at all. all coming out now, isn't it? <laughs> One thousand listens, radio play. I'm just saying. That if you're going to come to this city of mine, you got to check me out. <laughs> so have you had it? So have you had anybody contact you yet about coming to visit you? Since you are one of the major reasons now to visit. I feel like uh, maybe I'll be putting the tourism materials for 2013. So we got to hold off on that because that that, uh, that just happened in the last couple of days. It's all a little fresh. People are still recovering from it a little bit. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Mo, do you have anything else to plug? Um, well, I mean, there's my other show. There's uh, Drunk on VHS, which you can. I mean, I haven't I haven't done an episode in a couple of weeks because I've been so busy. But uh, I believe the most recent episode, the newest episode, I should say, is going to feature somebody you might recognize. Me? You. <laughs> and John Cross from the <laughs> After Movie. Oh, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> in fact, Mo, I refuse to uh, to participate in any podcast with that John Cross character. Uh, we do. Well, of we're going to talk. Yeah, we're going to talk about um, quote unquote guilty pleasure films. Even though I absolutely hate yeah, that term. Yeah, I don't term. Really care for that term very much. Yeah. I don't know. Why want to talk about my guilty pleasure films? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about films that other people might think are bad, but we love. I think that's really great. Uh, some might recall that um, that. Uh, over at the Rupert Pupkin Speaks blog earlier this year, I think both of us actually contributed lists of films. The VHS gem. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. There's the yeah. There's the bad movies we love, and then I did a list of VHS. Right. VHS gems. That's exactly right, and it's bad in quotation yeah. marks because obviously yeah. they're not actually bad if we enjoy them. Not like science crazed. No, that's not that's not true. I think if it's a bad film, it's a bad film. You know, like I have no problem with calling a movie bad if it's bad, even if I enjoyed it. You know, I just don't like the term guilty pleasure because I don't feel guilty at all about watching any of the movies that I watch. I feel guilty all the time about everything. Does that mean there's something wrong with me? Probably. Uh, I want to I want to actually promote and plug my other podcast. Uh, we just released the second episode of the Above the Line podcast, available at facebook.com slash the Above the Line podcast, all one word. I do that podcast with No Budget Nightmare superfan Ashley Montgomery. We just covered uh, Jane Campion's 1993, I think, film, The Piano. Yeah, we do high concept, high quality, award-winning shit over on that podcast. So, so in other words, you know, Nobody from here would be interested. <laughs> Nobody listening here. It's a little too highbrow for the, these kind of folks. I got. I got to tell you, man. You know, like I listened to the Eternal Sunshine episode. Uh, I'm not going to listen to the piano one. I hate that fucking movie so much. It, it's. It's. I think it'd be very interesting. I think. I hope. <laughs> that's. That's a terrible thing to say, Mo. By the way. <laughs> 
What? <laughs> I listened to the first episode. I'm definitely not listening to the second. No, 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 no. no. I mean, I'm not. I'm because of the subject matter. I mean, pick a better movie and I'll watch. I'll listen to it. Well, we're honest about our feelings about it. It's not movies that necessarily we go into with the idea that we are going to. No, love. no. I I get that. I just hate that movie so much that I don't want to listen to people talking well, about it. Well, maybe you can hear us hate about it, Mo. The third film, by the way, being covered on the podcast Might uh, get your genre film-loving gears going Uh, It's Aguirre, The Wrath of God, Werner Herzog's film Oh, well, see, that's a great film See? But, you know, Ashley picked number two, I picked number three We're all (laughs) just trying to get some momentum going here Uh, Mo, have you seen any films lately? I know you've been very busy It must have been kind of difficult to fit in a few (laughs) It's so sad I've watched, with the exception of Science Crazed I have watched exactly three movies in the last seven days and it just makes me sick that's still more than a lot of people would watch in that amount of time yeah grant granted but you know but i mean i've also you know edited 900 hours worth of shit too but uh yeah so let's see the last thing i watched was uh images in a convent oh that classic nunsploitation mm-hmm. film uh gotta love a little dirty nuns and you know i certainly that, do yeah uh it's one of my favorite subgenres. I finally got a chance to watch Looper. Oh, what did you think? Loved oh, it. Oh, that's great, isn't it? Absolutely loved it. Um, I thought JGL doing his Bruce Willis impression was was adorable. I think you calling him JGL is pretty adorable. I know. I'm I'm, I'm like a little girl. <laughs> Ooh, JGL. And then uh, and then before that, I watched uh, Idiocracy again. Oh, that's interesting. You watched Idiocracy, and I just watched Extract recently. I might judge. <laughs> yeah. You got the better of that. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, yeah. Uh, speaking of disappointed, I also recently watched the documentary Craigslist Joe, which is on Netflix about a uh, Joe. Uh, I think he's one of the producers or worked on the Hangover movies in some capacity. And okay. he decided he's going to live entirely off of Craigslist for an entire month uh, just through the charity of others. And it is not a good documentary. And in fact, it is not. It feels weirdly dated, considering it didn't come out. It just came out a few months ago, really. Um, mm. But it's it, it's one of those documentaries where you feel like the person you're watching is adding a level of emotion to it to make it more engaging. But it comes off sure. as so false. I mean, he yeah. cries like three times in the movie, which is okay. He's an emotional person, right? I have no problem with that. But it doesn't feel earned, and because of that, it makes it all really feel hollow so eh, not a fan craigslist joe i also rewatched hot fuzz which of course is fucking awesome so that evened out my craigslist joe feelings all right mo you should go get some sleep right now i think i can i gotta edit the show as soon as we're done see people listeners do you see what he goes through i'm gonna go play saints row three for a couple hours but mo is gonna edit the show I really am. Probably. Well, you have to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Toronto early tomorrow morning. So you're right. I'm kind of fucked. So yeah, I'll enjoy <laughs> that. Mo, I think it's time to say goodnight. So long, farewell. I was Vitor saying goodnight. And scene. <laughs> and scene. <laughs>